You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. All right, we're recording. I think this is going to work. You good to go already? Yeah, I guess. What? All right. What we do. All right. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Behind the Message, but I know when I say another episode, we haven't done this in months. I'm Jason, and this is Chris, and that's it. Um, It's been a few months, so Matthew got booted out, Um, no longer a part of our church. Um, No, it's not true. He got a new job, and uh, he's working second shift. By the way, I was supposed to ask you. He asked. He said he can record almost every morning, and I was like, I don't know if Chris can do no, that. Morning, like just Saturday morning. <laughs> oh, I ain't doing it Saturday morning. I know that. Um, so yeah, we'll try to get Matthew back in here um, when his schedule allows. But yeah, no, he's still a part of the church. <laughs> he's still the what are we? The youth director. Sounds right. Chris hasn't made him a pastor yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's an inside joke. Um, well, we started, uh, it's been months. We took the summer off when we mm-hmm. did, what was that? You haven't taken a break, though. But I did the, well, I'm still doing the PK catechism, mm-hmm. which is just my kids pretending. <laughs> to, <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't know. Did that... <laughs> Did you see me post on Facebook about Eliza losing it all? Yes. Last? Oh yeah. That we the did. Walk. We did one lap, and then we came back, and then she, she wanted to walk Arlo, but I'm like, baby, he's really he's pulling a lot tonight. That was it. That's what. That was enough to ruin the night. To ruin the whole night, and she was like, I can do it. He's not. I'm like, it's a no. I said, so one. Like, I don't have to give you an answer or a why. Like, you're not going to do it because I said no. But secondly, I am giving you a why because he's pulling too much. And she just, it unraveled um, where she wasn't going to come on the walk. And I was like, bye, I'm leaving. You can stay at the house for all I care. And so this is all of us. And then she started coming and then she, she started, to be honest, she was running her mouth like, Halfway up the hill, she like she started getting real smart with Corey, and I took off after. I took off running, and then she like looked back and she took off running, and then Corey's like, "Would you st- stop chasing her?" <laughs> so, <laughs> so, anyways, we get back the whole way back. Yeah, she was yelling like, "Why do you hate me? Why do you hate me? Why do you hate me?" And um so I was like, well, she's done for the night. So when she gets back, she can go to her room and that's the end of her night. So we let her get a snack out of our good grace yeah. and which was still a nightmare. And then tried to talk with her in her room about she thinks like if she gets told no, we're being mean and therefore we hate her. That's her logic. So I tried to explain like. One day, your husband is going to tell you no. She was like, well, I'll just leave. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm dead serious. I said, you're going to end up. She said, I'll just be by myself. I said, you're going to end up. I said, all your, you're going to have no friends. If like, if they tell you no, and like, you can't compromise or anything. She's like, I'll just be by myself. I said, I said, Eliza, I love you too much. I'm trying to like save you. (laughs) <laughs> from that and yeah it was it was bad but I will tell you this was she came, when she came back into the house mm-hmm. she did throw a little fit but then she went to her room and shut the door that's a win because either one she was either used to slam the door or two I'm hauling her off to her room I mean yeah. she's going to her room one way or another so um that was my uh, last was night. Evening, huh? I yeah. spent the evening alone. 
because both of my children were working. So. Oh man. Watch baseball. One day. Oh great. I love watching Aaron Judge. That's every, right. Every Sixty-two. Five seconds. <laughs> we interrupt everyone's evening so you can watch Aaron Judge strike out <clears throat> or get walked. All right. Anyway, so we're st- <laughs> we're starting behind the message back for the new series. Um, Kingdom Hope, where we're walking through First Samuel, and I don't know, think I told you this. Maybe I did, but so we're gonna take breaks during this series. We'll take a Christmas break or mm-hmm. giving break in the January, Easter break, summer break. But what I currently mapped out, we won't end this series until the end of 2023. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that works out. But again, there'll be breaks along the way. Right. So. <laughs> Um, and then if all goes according to plan, at some point I'll come back and do second Samuel kingdom promise. We'll find out. So I probably will go through a new Testament book after first Samuel and then go to second Samuel, but we'll see. So anyone that just heard that, that's not a promise or guarantee (laughs) life changes. I change. I mean, I map out. I don't know if people realize that, but I map out the whole series. Like if I go through, I've I've gone through First Samuel and just say, I think this is the flow I want to go per week. Um, but that fluctuates. Mm-hmm. If I'm like, ah, that narrative needs to go with this week. I don't know. So we'll find out. But we're back in the Old Testament. So this is our first question, Chris. Uh, what is your favorite Old Testament book and why? That's our kickoff Kick question. Off? All right. You got to go with the old G. Got to go with Genesis. Really? Yeah. I mean, dude, it has everything. Anything that you're looking for, it's in Genesis, right? That's true. I'm actually, I'm reading through Genesis Are you? now. And uh, um, I got to, this morning was the part where Joseph, like, finally told his brothers, like, hey, I'm your brother. <laughs> and oh. <laughs> y'all tried to kill me. Here I am in Egypt with all the food. <laughs> yep. And uh, but remind me after because I can't say it into the mic. Okay. Remind me what I heard at staff meeting from one of our staff members. Okay. About how what they heard about that interpretation of that story. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It was. It was like wow. I'm shocked you that we just heard you say that. But did you watch the video that I sent you speaking of not interpretation? Yet. Okay. No, no. Okay. You're gonna kick out of yeah. that. Then. You heard my morning. So yeah. no. <laughs> no. No. Oh, yeah. Not yet. I came in. I came in after that uh, meeting this morning, and then worked on the twenty twenty three budget with staff. Right. Was so your email. Yes. Ugh. But I think we're good. I think we're in a good spot now. It was just confusing at first, but. So what's your your pick for Old Testament? I've favorite? never really read the Old Testament. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know, every time I, in fairness, yeah, every time I do read Genesis. I guess for whatever dumb reason you do forget, like, oh, all of those stories are in Genesis. Yes. Um, so It's a lot. Genesis has been good. Um, my favorite book in the Old Testament is Ecclesiastes. Really? Yeah. It, it, it fits my pessimistic attitude. Um, and I think it, it feeds that, like, I've always been... It's kind of morbid, but I've always been encouraged by being reminded how short life is. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's some level, this is going to sound weird, there's some level of encouragement, like when I go to a funeral, it's sad, but like the encouragement is like, oh, all those things I worry about, all those things that I think are so important, aren't really that important. Right. You know, yeah. like when you you come face to face with like, you're not, that's going to be you one day. It's going to be you. You're going to have a bunch of people coming here and either looking at your dead body or, you know, whatever you in a cup vase or whatever. So speaking of funerals, you brought it up. You've never been to a family members. It's only been other. That's a hundred percent true. That's yeah. wild. Um, that's wild. I remember meeting my great grandparents um, but I don't remember when they died and I think that was in Florida. So we didn't go, or at least I, obviously I didn't go. Um, but aunts, 
uncles, cousins, both sets of grandparents are all alive. Um, now I've got a set of grandparents in Kentucky and then the set of grandparents in Florida. Um, and they're, I guess my dad's mom died when he was in high school of cancer. So, and, but then they remarried, I think maybe, maybe when dad was in high school. So she's, I mean, she's my grandmother. I don't know of any other grandmother, but yeah, they're all still kicking and living their best life. Some of them, (laughs) some some of them are really struggling, but no, they're, uh, no, I've never been to a family. I've been to several of Corey's family's funeral, but yep, none of my own. Well, that, I mean, I don't know. It is crazy. It's crazy. It was, it's been crazy to say, but the older you get, you're like, really? That's, that's <laughs> yeah, they're not. Yeah. You know, I, I always think about when I'm going to say that, like, I'm going to have like 10 family members just immediately die. So, but there, even right now, I mean, beyond old age, I don't know of any family member right now that's like got cancer and no one's yeah. sick. Like, they're just, I mean, just getting old. So, my dad's like 105. I'm just I'm joking. I hope he listens to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. But anyways, Ecclesiastes has always been encouraging to me for that reason. So, let me check. Are we recording? We're still good? All right, we're good. Well, let's get into this. We went through... I don't know how... I've, to be fair, I've never sat through a First Samuel study so (laughs) i don't know if anyone else is doing this differently than me but for the most part i'm taking things narrative by narrative so i don't know if that's the same as verse by verse necessarily but we're trying to take each little narrative pocket um, and walk through it so the first one was uh the uh hannah and elkanah and the the birth of samuel and first samuel 1 1 through 20. So the question that we answered from the text is, uh, what should you know when you grieve? Jason, to kick us off, who is Elkanah? I have no idea. Um, (laughs) You know, I mentioned he was from Ramathim, but um, there's also like several places where he could be from. So there's Ramathim, Ephraim, uh, Ephrath, or connected to genealogy, so it's mentioned, I think, in First Chronicles 6, uh, from the priestly tribe of Levi. So they're actually not sure if Elkanah is a Benjamite, an Ephraimite, or an Ephrathite, or a Levite, which is crazy. So that was like way too much information to say on Sunday, because... Right. Um, and I already showed a map, which I almost never show. But I'm trying to get better at that because, uh, especially walking through the Old Testament, it's helpful for people to see, like, no, these are real places. places and um, They are. So, yeah, that, that's kind of what we know about Elkanah. And, but he has uh, two wives, so which I referenced bad call, Elkanah. Um, <laughs> certainly common right that more than one wife um i think we'll talk about that um but two wives uh hannah and panina which was i mean it's really hard not to say panini but yeah i didn't know how to panina yeah i tried to look up again i think i've mentioned this before and behind the message like i always look up how to pronounce this stuff Same. before i get up on sunday but even then, I'm sure I'm butchering stuff. But So who's Hannah and Panina, Chris? Those are Elkanah's wives. I just spoiled that, didn't you I? You did. Yeah. Um, that's his wives. And he married Hannah first, is what yes, it appears. Yeah. At least her um, name was mentioned first. Well, and then the, the whole narrative of the fact that she couldn't have kids right yeah i mean you see that throughout even genesis you know you're not gonna have kids and whether that person sleeps with the slave girl or whatever but 
Why do you think God lets us have two wives or three wives today? What? <laughs> Did you say? <laughs> Moving right along. No, but we we will get to a point. Is it in First Samuel? Or it might be Second Samuel. Second Samuel, where um, you know Nathan confronts uh, David in his sin, oh. and God's like, I mean, God gave you all these wives and concubines. I didn't even get into concubines, but so for whatever reason, out of the hardness of our hearts and some things that happen culturally, God allowed. Certain things for a certain time, but yeah. We don't promote polygamy no. at East River Park. We are a mon- monogamy kind of church. Right? That's one? Am I getting that right? Yeah. I just always think of a office quote whenever I hear <laughs> that I'm not going to share on this podcast. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, All right. getting back on track. Uh, why did Elkanah and his family go to Shiloh? That would be to fulfill Deuteronomy 12 in my opinion, and what it seemed like, that he went every year to worship, and then Shiloh, that was the place to worship. Um, the way the text makes it read, that obviously they had a, um, a tent of meeting, so as Israel would travel, they'd set up this tent, and then over time that became a little bit more of a permanent structure. It certainly seems like um, by this point in the narrative, um, or time of history, like that, it's a little bit more of a permanent structure because, like, you see later Eli's hanging out outside, and um, so, but there's that. Let's go to the questions. Hold on, Corey keeps texting me. All right, hold on, this is important. She's asking if we want soup or salmon for dinner. Uh, what kind of soup? She said, Zupa? What is Zupa? Never heard of it. What is Zupa soup? We're going to take a little uh, behind the message break. <laughs> Zupa or like Tuscan soup? It's Zupa Tus- Tuscana soup. Olive Garden sells it. <laughs> oh, I know what she's talking about. Anyways, all right, let's. Um, Let's go. All right. There's uh, four points for this. Point one, know that some people will try to help the best way they know how. So, Jason, why did Elkanah give Hannah a double portion of food? And for those of listening, you might want to go watch the sermon or (laughs) read the passage prior to listening to this if you haven't already heard it. Yeah. And they, I mean, certainly for reference... The time of sacrifice. I mean, they're they're eating a meal um, after that, and so uh, part of the ceremonial meal after the sacrifice, food was given uh, to Panina and then all her children. Um, I forgot one of the verses certainly references like all her sons and daughters. So she's got plenty of offspring, she's getting plenty of food, um, and then obviously Hannah got would get less food because she didn't have children. So I would say Alcana's act not only honors Hannah publicly, um, but also I think makes sure she doesn't feel left out. Mm. Um, so it's, uh, and even as we'll see this Sunday, like Alcana is a, I mean, two wives, not a great idea, but <laughs> like he's a righteous man and, and really does a lot of good righteous things as we'll see uh, this Sunday. But, Chris, what unhelpful? <laughs> great, right into it. What yeah. unhelpful thing did Elkanah say to his wife? So he's he's asked her. He asked her why she's weeping, and he asked her why she's not eating, and why her heart is sad. And then he tells her or asks her, "Am I not more to you than ten sons?" <laughs> Which, in his defense, <laughs> he is showing concern for her. I just don't think he shows a clear understanding of her grief. Um, yeah. He can't, he can't understand um, how his great love for her is not enough. <laughs> he does, you know, he doesn't understand how that's not enough for her where she wants to be a mother. Right. Um, and it's also to note that infertile women during that time were not highly thought of. They were thought of cursed or, or sinful 
uh, during that period of time as well. It could bring a lot of shame on her. Yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's a place where I bring that up later in this, but yeah, certainly. I mean, Israel's waiting for this, whether coming Messiah or um, certainly that the ongoing um, covenant of Abraham requires offspring. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're you're to not produce offspring, feels like you're being left out of that covenant promise. So, yeah, yeah. yeah it certainly hurt her on a deep spiritual level, and Elkanah's like. What about me? Me and Am I not yeah, enough? Am I not good enough? Am I not good enough? That's such a like dumb husband thing, you know. I think all of us would say at some some point. So, how can we know how to meet someone's needs when they are grieving? I guess I'll I'll just get two things. The first I would say is just be present with them. I think people's greatest need when they're grieving is. Um, just not to feel alone in their grief, to feel like those that love them are, are there, uh, that they just need people that love them and they, uh, that love them or that love them and that they love to be, just to be present with them. And, you know, I, the thinking through that, like so much of like deep grief really has no quick answers. You know, or really no answers at all. Yeah. So to feel the pressure to say something, to fix it, is just like, it's just not worth it. It's not, yeah. I mean, you're not going to say anything to fix this. Um, so just being present with someone and listening. And I really had to learn that through ministry because so much when you start at ministry, you're like, well, my job is to run my mouth. And, you know, like, you know if I got to have everything right to say, and yeah. walking with people through grief. I mean, I remember going to, it was a really sad funeral in our last church. And it was a, I went through the visitation line. And um, I think it was, yeah, I think it was his funeral. The two sons were there. They just lost their dad. Yeah. And I remember trying to say something. And I was like, that was so dumb. Like, I don't know why I said that. Um, it wasn't helpful. I, was just, I don't know what I said. I just remember like, and over time, then I just realized like, just go there, be present and say, I'm sorry for your loss. We love you. Or we're yeah. praying for you and move on. Like you don't need to say like, well, they're in a better place or just, so be present with people. And then I think, uh, another one is to ask, how do you know to meet someone needs, someone's needs sometimes just ask like, um, to give an example, like I love everyone at East River Park. I really do. But I can't be present with everyone. Right. So meaning like I just can't always be present when people are suffering and to always know exactly what how to meet their need. But I can ask. Um, so and I, I've done that quite a bit. And that's not always perfect because usually they're like, I don't know, like <laughs> if I knew, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, but I, and I tell people like, you may not even know how to answer when someone asks, but at least you can be reminded, like, you've got a bunch of people in your corner, yeah. and if something does come up, you know who to go to. So other than that, like, there's been very few times where I have um, asked someone in their grief, and then they've they've been like, actually, you know, we were really, we would it would be helpful if we had this. Uh-huh. Very few times, but I still think it's good to yeah. go there. Um, so. Yeah. All right. Well, there was that. <laughs> Chris, how should you respond to someone that's trying to help you, but is just not helpful? All right. I am going to answer this. Um, Are you? Thanks. With a little. <laughs> no, I'm going to explain something real quick before I answer. How about that? I'm answering this as if the help is coming from someone you know. Someone who loves you and honors no, that's you. that's good. Because that's how the text yeah. represented it. Right, okay. So this is not someone out of spite trying right. to, you know. Right. So I... This is like a loved one right. trying to help you. And so, you're like, it's not helping. I, I said, and it's not anything. I didn't... I don't have much here. I just put... Know that they're truly trying to help you the best way that they know how. Mm-hmm. Like you said, that it's not coming... It is coming from a place of love. It right. may not be the best advice. It may not be helpful at all, but 
the heart behind it is is good. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's um <laughs> it's very simple and I won't bring up the full context, but my dad like if maybe last week or a few nights ago, I was talking on the phone with him and he rarely like tries to give me advice anymore and I mean obviously, but you know, there's still dad still a dad. And he said something to me and I was just like Phew. I just was like, okay. And he was probably right. And I think I did follow through with it, but you know, you know, it was still, it was still like one of those, like the step back and be like, he just, just cause you're a grown up doesn't mean that they, your parents stop loving you. Hmm. And, um, so, and, and maybe that's a lot for, um, grownups with grown up parents that's some good advice because that's usually where that happens. You have parents that are trying to help you and you're like, yeah, that's not being helpful. But to be reminded like, no, they still love you. Like you're still their boy. Like, Mm -hmm. so anyways, (laughs) I thought of my children a lot during this sermon. They bring a lot to me and I just spout off whatever, you know, and I'm sure half of what I say is not helpful at all to them, but I'm, (laughs) But they, but you love them. That's I do love I'm them. Saying. If anything, I'm trying to lighten, lighten their moods. Right. <laughs> that can be helpful too. The world's heavy. Two. Know that some people will try to push you down even further. Oh, I'm gonna mispronounce this. How and why was uh, Panini? Panini? Panina? Panina being so hateful to Hannah. <laughs> Um, well, you can see in the text that Panina is called Hannah's rival. Mm-hmm. So there is that a stated relationship. And then she's mocking her barrenness. And I, I guess I did, this is where I, I referenced it earlier. Not only is she mocking her, her not having kids, she's mocking her place in Israel. Mm. Like that's, and I don't know, maybe that's, I mean, the text doesn't, say that's why Hannah was so upset, but we could certainly assume that. Um a case for it. Yeah. Why why do you I guess Chris, why do some people like when others are suffering? Uh I mean you said it clearly pretty clearly in the sermon. Just some people are mean and evil. They're, that exist in this <laughs> world. Uh I mean some people it makes them feel better. Um and you mentioned the uh, the old, hey, it's not me. At least it's not me. At least I'm not going through this, you know? Right. But yeah, I mean, some people like to watch other people suffer. Not not necessarily watch them suffer um, for suffering's sake, but just it, it's not me. At least I'm not, and you know, at least I'm not going through that or I'm not. Right. It's not me. Just, uh, I guess it makes To elevate f- themselves to make them feel a little bit better, you know? Yeah. I mean, really, that's why. I'll bring it up later, so I won't say it. But um, yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. So how did how did Hannah respond? Man, I'm trying to look something up. Oh, yeah, there it is. Sorry. I could have talked longer. No, you're good. <laughs> ah, there it is. Um, well, first she we see the description of her prayer in verse eleven, um, but it is. A time where she makes a vow to the Lord, um, and that vow specifically is a um, it's a Nazarite vow, and it's a vow that that um, Samuel will be lent to the Lord, and he will be raised up by someone that's not her, which is what we'll see specifically on Sunday. Um, but yeah, that Nazarite vow, that's what I was looking up. It's in number six. If people are, are interested, you can read what that is and the full description of what that would entail. But obviously, some of it would be that uh, no razor would touch his head. Like if you remember Samson, Samson. and his long hair, because he had uh, the Nazarite vow. You know? And then chopped his hair off and stabbed his eyes out. Poor Samson. I, you know, when I first started here at East River Park, we were going through, I like kind of inherited some weird, it wasn't weird, but like a 
it's like a round table Bible study on Wednesday night. So oh, we were yeah. walking through Judges. And I would love to walk through Judges, but I was like, I just did that a few years ago. We should, let's go to First Samuel. But Judges is just so full of fun stories. <laughs> but anyways, so Nazarite vow. Uh, Chris, should we, um, should we make vows to the Lord today? <laughs> what you're doing here no I guess if anything there's some pretty strong biblical case like it's a dangerous thing to make vows to the Lord so don't pray it's not it's not a prescription for us to pray like Hannah that you promise something if the Lord gives you something that's a dangerous prayer mm-hmm. so yeah. be careful Strange. when we pray that don't pray Lord, I'll do this if you give me this. So yeah. people do that all the time. That's like in every movie. Like if the angels win the pennant. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> so we were watching, Connor's been watching baseball with me. Of course, he's kind of has to, you know. So I'm sitting, judge comes up to bat and I did this joke and I'm, I'm sure I knew he, he wouldn't know, but I start. Flapping your I arms. flapping my, my arms like this. He's like, what are you doing? Has he not seen the movie? I was like, you've never seen Angels in the Outfield. He's Has like, he not no. seen And I'm like, what? oh, then this reference means nothing to you. Oh, man. <laughs> Terrible theology, but great movie. Yeah. Danny Glover. And that kid's like, that's God's thumbnail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those are that's something you hear when you're a kid. Or like you hear and like you just... I just never forgot it. Every time I see a moon that's not full, I'm like, that's God's thumbnail. I mean, it's not true, but it just sticks with you. All right, so three, (laughs) know that some people will misunderstand your grief. Uh, What does Eli think Hannah was doing at the temple? So in reference, we've moved scenes in this. Hannah goes off to pray at the temple. He thinks that she was inebriated, that she was drunk. And to make the case, I made the case on Sunday, he had every right to think that. Like, not right, but I guess every reason to think that. I mean, wine and alcohol, I mean, alcohol is flowing at Israel religious festivals, and there's warnings against that in Scripture um, if, if people getting drunk at the these festivals. So... Um, yeah, he just assumed she's in there. Yep, trashed in the temple. <laughs> so, so why are we so quick to judge someone in their grief? <sighs> wow, I heard a motorcycle came through my headphones. Um, I'd say first. To be fair, there's there is a, so much grief that happens uh, in people's lives that they just brought on themselves. I mean, that's a f- thing, fair thing to state. That certainly wasn't Hannah's situation, but usually, like when we see someone suffering, there's so much self-inflicted wounds in our culture that you know that it's a lot. It's very easy, especially like give an example. I mean, if you see like a homeless person, you're not like what terrible things happen to them you're i mean so many of us think like what they do to get out of there you know um and to be fair maybe that that is their story most of the stories statistically yeah what they do um but i think as mentioned before we we like the way that makes us feel um i even i mean that's why we gossip really we gossip uh not because we love sharing drama we gossip because when we share a drama it makes us feel better because we're insecure people like if we can think everyone else is lives are falling apart and not look at ourselves it makes us feel better um and i'd say lastly if we can judge someone in their grief we can also justify not helping so um that's probably something more than we realize, but more than I realize too. But so, why is it good to know someone's story that is suffering? Um, well, from their perspective, it may help them feel less uh, desolate. Just having someone listen and hear them, 
Hmm. Um, you mentioned in the sermon about the person hearing the story, not jumping to conclusions. So you actually get the facts behind the story. Yeah. Have you ever seen those videos where there's a few different guys that do it on YouTube where they like go around and just hand out tons of money to people that are like a homeless person or have you not seen these videos? I'll have to send you some because it's like my toxic trait is just watching all these videos and crying. Oh, (laughs) Um, but I bring that up because like, like a guy will go up to someone on the streets and when he just starts talking to him, you're like, Oh my, his daughter died or, you know, just terrible things that happened. And it doesn't mean that they're not at fault for some of their, you know, the situation that they're in. But once you hear them, you're like, wow, that's, that's a pretty sad, it's pretty messed up life they've had. Um, and then he's like, here's $10,000. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I remember the, the one I watched yesterday, there was a, a woman, I think she had started like some baking business and he ordered like a bunch of these cookies and she, when she delivered them, they were like $400 and he's like, I'm $50 short. And she's like, it's okay. Like, you know, I'm sure you'll pay me back. And, and he's like, actually, I'm not short. Here's $10,000. And, um, and then he'll loss Cause they have such high, like viewer volume. He'll like post either a GoFundMe for that, this person or a link to their business. So they like buy all their stuff. And I'm like, there's some good in this world. doesn't mean our hearts aren't dead and sin but <laughs> there's some good in this world right. so it's, right. it just makes me a little weepy all right what's next here what can we learn from hannah's response to eli mm, i wrote down a few things three things <laughs> not every accusation needs a response hmm. i think that's a good one um i mean we don't know if maybe hannah did chirp back at Nina at times, but what we see in the text is like, she just, she didn't have to, to respond to all these, all these things, uh, arrival. So that's good for us because we're so, we just want to justify ourselves so much that we can't let something go, but, um, that her actions speak louder than words. And then I guess most importantly, she knew where to run. Um, she went to the Lord, which is such a crazy I didn't really talk about it much, but like, you know, so so much of Christianity in the Bible tries to talk down about like, it's such a, like as, uh, as if it's a man-made religion to oppress minorities and women. And you're like, here, here's a story about God starting this plan of, or continuing this plan of redemption for all mankind through this like no-name and fertile woman. Yeah. And then yeah. you see her in the temple worshiping and praying and she's like addressing the lord in ways that maybe we've not even seen up to this point in the old testament like so to say like you know women are oppressed in the bible it's just pe- from people that don't know their bible um so yeah she ran to the the temple to pray or not the temple but the place of worship to pray four uh point four the last point know that humble prayer actually matters. So Chris, how do we know that Hannah's prayer is humble? Um, well, she, like you mentioned previously, she turned to the Lord and she poured out her, her heart and soul to the Lord. But then she left it with him and she moved on with her life. Yeah. Like she, I guess showing faith, I guess a little, you could say. Yeah, I that was that was such a helpful point for me to when I study that text because so many people are just like they get caught in this loop of what was me and it's hard to I mean because I get it um, I understand why they would think and feel that way but for Hannah yeah she just got up and. She couldn't eat earlier, but now she could eat. And then it yep. says her face was no longer sad. So it doesn't mean that you get to 
everything goes back to normal, but it's like just try to enjoy what you can in this season. Yeah. Like your life is not over. Um, and God's provision is still there, even if you don't recognize it or see it. And, um, and just the way that she addresses Eli, I'm calling him Lord, not like Lord of hosts, but and you know, that she's a servant and I mean, she's very humble. Yep. So it's good stuff. So Jason, what would you tell a friend that asks you why prayer matters when their grief doesn't seem to end? Sorry about your luck. Better luck next time. Better luck next time. If you just had more faith. (laughs) No, I'm just making light of really heavy things. But um, I guess I don't... I guess I would be careful with what I say. um, But if they did ask, I mean, yeah, we certainly don't know God's timeline or plan. Um, I, I mentioned on Sunday that I didn't like when people brought up these barren situations it's trying to talk about our infertility um but looking back on this now uh, i do think like hannah hannah wasn't promised a baby either right um so now she was obviously given a child and i think i might bring it up sunday but a little teaser she has more than one child so <laughs> which is awesome Spoilers. you know spoiler alert she has more than just samuel um but uh like i i w- i 100 percent believe god would not have given hannah a child if she didn't pray for a child hmm. so it wasn't like this was god's plan and whether she prayed or not she was getting that kid i think the text is clear if she would not have prayed um, Samuel would not have been mm. born, at least in this. And I don't know if I'll bring it up Sunday or ever, um, because it's super confusing and not everyone agrees with it. But like Samuel's name in the Hebrew, almost mentioned is, is about asking. Like, um, is kind of what it means. So asking from the Lord. So I don't know. Uh, so I guess I would tell someone, don't stop praying. Don't stop. You never know. So, all right, we're on the summary point. Only two more questions with the main text. Know that God is sovereign over all. Chris, how is God sovereign over suffering? If we believe that God is sovereign of all, then that would certainly include our suffering. And I'm, shared a bunch of um, wrote down a bunch of uh, scripture that I'm going to read we'll say uh, Colossians 1 16 for in him all things were created things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities all things have been created through him and for him I have Psalm 115 3 our God is in heaven he does whatever pleases him uh, mm-hmm. Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Psalm 121.2. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Uh, Matthew 19.26. And looking at them, Jesus said to them, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Uh, James 4.14 and 15. Why do you not even now... Why do you even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And one final one, uh, Revelation 4.11. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. So uh, Scripture obviously backs this up. But I think we should find peace and comfort in in the Lord, for He He's Lord of all. I mean, um, good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That was a tough question. So I just yeah. I think up a you um, surpassed our scripture limit <laughs> yeah. per podcast. <laughs> no I'm joking. I have to go give Connor a key. What's that? I have to go give Connor a house key. Oh, okay. Let's pause this.
All right, I think it's working. We're back. Uh, Chris was dropping off car keys. Yes. No, car keys? House key. House key to his son. It's real world stuff. Um, I don't know how this comes across in the recording. Probably like that we didn't take a break at all. But, Probably. Um, <laughs> so Chris just got done reading some scripture uh, to us um, about how God is sovereign over all. Those are really good scripture references, by the way. That was just... Messing with you early. <laughs> so well, that was a tough question. I was like, huh? "That's good." He's either Lord or he's not. Yeah. And then if he's Lord, he's Lord of all. So good and bad. Yeah. That that sounds like that's a quote, right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Last question before. Am I the... supposed to read this? No, I'll read. No, no okay. just just the question. Okay, so how is Jesus making peace by the blood of his cross? All right, but I'll read the verse. Okay. Well, you read uh, Colossians before, 1, yeah. 6, 116. Wow. I'll read verse 20. It says, and, th- and through him, it's talking about Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Um, that's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I think yeah. certainly it's twofold. I mean, there's a um, let, I mean, let's look at our own life uh, as a as a follower of Christ. Like, I am at peace with God through a holy God through the death and resurrection of Christ, the blood of the cross. Yes, that I've been justified with God. However, Chris, you've known me long enough that I'm not perfect and say and do and think things that don't honor God or certainly wouldn't reflect a holy God. And so we would call that process of being made holy sanctification. So um, I'm justified, but I'm still being sanctified and then I'll be glorified one day. So I I think the same even with uh, the peace making, the, the making of peace by the blood of his cross is that Christ uh, has redeemed his children and is in the process of redeeming his children and will redeem all things at the end. So it, even that scripture reference mentions um, whether on earth or in heaven, meaning his reconciliation of earth and heaven is that there's a new earth and a new heaven. And, uh, and, and I guess in reality, not to be to revelation uh that's a collision of both where heaven and earth collide mm-hmm. and um so speaking to those things it's one day um there will be no infertility and there will be no uh weeping as hannah as revelation mentions but certainly as hannah experienced there'll be no cause for weeping um and christ is in the process of making that a reality um it's the have, but uh, the, what do they call that? It's like, it's here, but not yet. Right. Theology. It's like every um, prophecy that we see, not every prophecy, but every end time prophecy that you see in the Bible, there's a there's an immediate reality mm-hmm. and then an end time reality. So I shouldn't have put that question in there, but here we go. That was the end of week one of this kingdom of hope. Um, I don't know how these conclusion questions will go. I'll just... Yeah, I, I know, man. I don't know. Let's just end with... It's like, I don't know why we're asking a question about a few something weeks that's here. weeks away. It's not that. I mean, I guess it is, but it's coming up here. Who's going this to win? This is pretty obvious what our answers are going to be, too. But continue. Think, Sorry. All right. Can, who's going to win the Kentucky versus Tennessee football game? I'm going to say that Tennessee's going to win. And you're going to say... That you're wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> did you watch Kentucky lose? I did not. Saturday. I well, Saturday morning I stood down in the fellowship hall and told James, I said, the only way we win this game is if our offensive line plays well. Something like that. And the whole game, I'm like, here we are again, just letting Will Levis get sacked, then giving enough time to throw. There's a group on YouTube called SEC Shorts. Have you ever watched them? Mm-mm. You should 
They're hilarious. I don't want them to hurt me. <laughs> yeah, they probably gonna will. Hurt me. <laughs> so, they oh, probably will. be so sad. So two. This is finally though, like two solid football teams facing each other. Well, we still but, got to get through LSU and some other folks before we play you guys. I, I've told several people LSU is no joke, and I don't like that they're no joke because I don't like their coach. But I'll tell you what, I miss I miss the old school schedule we played Kentucky last. Yeah. I used to, me, and my, me and my father have been to that game a couple times, actually. Oh, okay. And that when it was in Knoxville, of course. Right. The, the years it was in Knoxville, we went to a couple. Yeah, it's... I mean, I've told. I mean, if y'all, I mean, you can certainly beat LSU. They're just gonna be. A, they're a very tough team, I think, especially now in the season. But if you can beat LSU and Alabama, I mean, Tennessee will burn to the ground. Like y'all aren't gonna burn couches. Y'all aren't gonna burn this entire state in the ground in celebration. I mean, I'll t- let me tell you what I uh, hear in a minute. What someone told me about that. It'll be funny, but you'll think it. You'll get a kick out of it. All right, well, that's it. We'll be back for week two, Kingdom of Hope, uh, next week. And uh, did we pray on these? We do. All right. (laughs) All right, I'll pray. God, thank you so much for uh, just starting for Samuel and just the truth of the story and and knowing that there's so many people uh, in our church and in our community that are really hurting and they're grieving um, and even more so, how many people they're just trying to help and trying to minister to those that they love uh, that are hurting. God, give us wisdom. Uh, help us to uh, not walk in our own power, but walk in the Spirit, and then uh, just really glean uh, things from uh, this First Samuel uh, study. And we pray these things in Your Son's name. Amen. Amen. That's it. <laughs>